0: Exorcism and Deliverance. Today we talk about the act or process of casting out demons on today's podcast. And what does the Bible say? Stay tuned and find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 054, podcast 54, and today we want to have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we give you a bird's eye view perspective some complex issue confronting our culture, the Church, and you, and apply God's Word to help make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, as always, we'll point you to additional resources for further study, just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started.
1: All right, yeah, here we are, uh, back back again another week, um, talking about the occult and just the demonic realm uh, that's, uh, that's out there, and uh, this week, and you alluded to it a little bit last week, uh, we're going to talk about casting out demons and exorcism. And so uh, why don't you just enlighten us, Keith?
0: Great, Mark. I'll try. And it, this is going to be kind of different, too, because believe it or not, this podcast might be a little bit on the controversial side in some ways that might surprise us.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so why is that? I get not everyone believes that demons exist and those things, but uh, casting them out might seem like a weird like superstition. Uh, or something like that to them, do you believe that demons can be cast out?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. We know as Christians, demons can be cast out because Jesus did so in the Bible, and so did his disciples and apostles. The gospel in the book of Acts provide ample documentation that any student of the Bible can find that demons exist and that they were cast out by Jesus and his disciples. In fact, let me give you a handful of references that document this. In Mark 3.15, it talks about the disciples receiving authority from Jesus to cast out demons in matthew 10 8 jesus authorizes his disciples to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers and cast out demons telling them as they do this do it for free he tells them freely you have received freely give and then in luke 11:20, 20 jesus warns the unreceptive jewish skeptics who accused him of casting out demons by beelzebub or whatever he says to them, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. See, no one was uh, debating that whether he cast out demons or not. In, in Matthew 9:34, the Pharisees acknowledged that Jesus cast out demons, but insisted he did so through uh, some satanic means. In Luke 9, Jesus called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over the demons and to heal diseases. And by my count, there's at least... Or at least close to 50 passages dealing with casting out demons in the new testament so here in this these last few examples i've barely even scratched the surface okay so clearly
1: it's something that we see in the bible and so where's the controversy what do you think is the problem with
0: this well did you notice the name of the episode exorcism and deliverance
1: yeah that is uh that's a good point i was wondering where we were headed with the deliverance part
0: Well, what's going to happen here, what I hope to do anyway, what I'd like us to do is to make a distinction between exorcism and deliverance over and against casting out demons. And I can tell you right now that this distinction may challenge some of the understanding of our listeners, or maybe even offend a few. I hope not. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings.
1: Yeah. uh, I know that our mission is to equip and encourage uh, the people who are listening, and, and I realize that sometimes... Uh, that does mean that we have to challenge some of that conventional wisdom um, that's out there.
0: That's right, Mark. Sometimes there's a difficult line that we sometimes, probably more often than we'd like to admit, cross, and we might be a little on the offensive side. But this is an important issue. We want to teach God's Word clearly. And so let's start with Jesus and his apostles casting out demons. To do so, let's look at Luke chapter 4, where Jesus cast a demon out of a man in a synagogue. And in Luke four thirty-three to 36, we read this. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 35 says, But... Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Now here's another example in Mark 5. Notice how this goes. This is Jesus talking. For he was saying to him, saying to the demon, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. Jesus asked him, What is your name? The demon replied, he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he, the demon, earnestly begged Jesus not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they, that's the demons inhabiting this man, and they begged him, they begged Jesus, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So, now watch this play out in verse 13. So he gave them Permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, I want you to notice something here in Luke's account that we find these words. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. You have a similar concept in Mark 5 that we uh, just read. And they begged him, saying, they begged Jesus, the demons begged Jesus, saying, "'Send us to the pigs, let us enter them,' verse 13. "'So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs.'" Notice also this statement in Luke 9.1, "'Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over demons and to heal diseases.'" Notice the concept of authority here. Jesus demonstrated he possessed, he owned, you might say, authority over demons. We saw that he granted them permission to enter the swine. He granted his disciples authority to cast out demons. And so, Mark, why do you think Jesus had authority over demons, and why do you think he could grant such authority and power to others?
1: Well, I mean, I think the easiest answer to that is that Jesus is God. Um, in in a human form, and so I think being God, He has uh, the power to do that, and and I think these things, as the Bible tells us, were indicators or signs of His identity and authority. Um, Whether it was healing the sick or casting out demons, it was just all the more proof that this was God in human form.
0: Absolutely right, Mark, right on the money. Jesus was God. He wasn't just the Son of God. He was God the Son, the creator of the universe. And as God, as their creator, they ultimately had no power to resist him. And when he said, come out, he exercised ownership over them and lordship over them. And that's why legion sought his permission, sought his permission, think about that, to go into the herd of the swine. And later on, in fact, in the Gospels, we read uh, of Jesus saying this to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Notice what he says, demanded permission. Some translations said, say asked permission. But no matter how you translate it, the ideas of lordship and authority and permission are there. And later on, the disciples will say to Jesus, Master, even the demons obey us and submit to us, and the disciples seem surprised and genuinely shocked. But what you keep seeing is authority.
1: Okay, so it seems like we're getting to the point where uh, maybe something is coming. Is this where we're going to see the controversial part? This has all been, up to now, pretty biblical and and, and pretty founded. So uh, I'm waiting for the controversy.
0: Well, there may be controversy. There may not be. Uh, some people may get this already. And some people may not. And here's where I make a distinction between casting out demons and the notion of exorcism or the notion of deliverance ministries involving demons. I mean, think about it. What is exorcism? According to the Catholic Church, exorcism is expulsion by adjuration. In their catechism and in their documents, it says expulsion by adjuration is the primary means of exorcism. And when, in the Christian usage, this adjuration is in the name of God or of Christ, exorcism is a strictly religious act or rite. So in Roman Catholicism, uh, exorcism is like a sacrament, but not really a sacrament. And its effectiveness depends on two elements according to their documents. And one is the authorization from a valid church authority, and the second is the faith of the exorcist. And I would add to that, doing things according to procedure. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdraw from his dominion, it is called exorcism. And this ritual assumes that the possessed persons retain their free will, though the demon may have hold over their body, and involves prayers, blessings, invocations with the use of the document of exorcisms and certain supplications. Now, this document, this a procedural document, was first published in 1614. It was later updated several times, most recently, I think, in 1999. But basically, it lays out the procedure and the grounds for exorcism. Exorcisms can only be performed by an ordained priest with the permission of a duly authorized bishop. Now, you notice anything unusual here, Mark? Yeah, I mean, this one seems
1: pretty odd, I think, especially for us from a Christian standpoint. It seems um, very, like, ritualistic, and there's a procedure, um, and it's almost like, if you look at some of the other sacraments in the Catholic Church, it's almost like it's another sacrament, but it doesn't quite get all the way there.
0: Oh, that's right. And beyond this, exorcists in the Catholic Church often employ objects like crosses or oils and holy water. And how does this differ from Jesus and his disciples?
1: Well, I mean, the disciples just had authority; they didn't need holy water or crosses or any of these other things. They just said, "Come out," and the demons came out. They there was a a different sense of um, ownership, like you said earlier, over these demons. Yeah,
0: Jesus said, "Come out," they came out. There was no chanting. There weren't. There wasn't holy water. Uh, That's the biblical record, that's what the Bible says, and not to be disrespectful, but I find it odd that procedures were first documented in 1614 and updated a number of times most recently in 1999. And in the past, Latin was the language of exorcism. Why Latin and on what basis?
1: Yeah, I, I think those are all valid questions. So what are you getting at with all of this
0: well, like limbo, exorcism is a process that is a human invention. It is not taken from Scripture. It is imposed on the church. It's made up. It's, it's a human invention. It's a human convention. In fact, a lot of the so-called deliverance ministries in Protestant circles are made up. The procedure, some of the assumptions they make— whether it's putting herbs or putting salt or stuff like this, it's not found in Scripture. And so they they don't read from the text. They try to read things into the text that aren't there. And sad to say, there have been entire books written on how to deliver people from demons that are just simply unbiblical. Procedures have been derived sometimes from indigenous religions, witch doctors, and brought back, in some cases, from the mission field. And here's the problem. The world must not be the source of our understanding of spiritual matters. The Bible must be. And so when we look at something that's done by a witch doctor or something that we see done and say, oh, well, this is how that works, and so let's incorporate that into our practice, that's a problem. The world mustn't inform our understanding. The Bible must so try this, Mark. Find me a procedure for exorcism or an exorcism ritual anywhere in the Bible.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good challenge. And um, outside of, I think, you know, seeing what Jesus and the disciples did, uh, the only other area that I can think of that we see something like this would be in the book of Acts.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're right. There is an exorcism ritual of sort laid out in the book of Acts, but it blows up in their faces. It doesn't go well because it's not biblical, because the people, it, it's, it's almost pagan-esque, uh, it's almost uh, occultic itself, it's almost, uh, it's man-made. And let me just read that passage, because I think it's illustrative, and that's Acts 19, 11 through 17, and it's talking about the ministry of Paul and some of the things that are going on, and and people watching him and making assumptions about what he does. So let me just read that. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of the Apostle Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So God is working through Paul. Paul's not working this out himself. But watch this in verse 13. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, adjuration, I adjure you by this Jesus whom Paul proclaims. So what they did is they saw this and they said, oh, okay. Paul proclaims Jesus. Jesus has, must be special. So we're going to create this procedure. And so they say, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Verse 14, seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Shiva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. Now, did you notice their procedure? And what were the results? The man overpowered them. He wailed the tar out of them, uh, to, to use a colloquialism, because they were trying to construct this little procedure, invoking the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Can you imagine that? I mean, invoking the name of Jesus, this Jesus who Paul preaches, this Paul who's from, I mean, they're just building this procedure. And the demon goes, well, I know who Jesus is, and I recognize Paul, but who are you guys? And he attacks them.
1: Okay, I I can see that, but what would you say to those people who would say, okay, well, those guys weren't even believers anyway?
0: Well, I'd have to agree with them, but that's not the point. My point is the creation of a procedure or rite or ritual through some sort of trial or error or human derivation or human observation, it's not just unbiblical, it's it's extra-biblical. What's worse is it doesn't match the biblical pattern, and neither— do the rituals we've been discussing in the deliverance ministry community in protestant circles or the catholic church and we'll get into this more in greater detail next time.
1: Okay, so growing up I was always taught that you know you can do some of these things and and they work and there was definitely people who are like you know you just invoke the name of Jesus Christ and you will be able to cast out demons or do these things. So what do you say to some of those people who say that that these type of things work?
0: Well, we have to be really careful because a lot of times they're falling into pagan practices. They're, they're invoking his name, but they don't know what they're doing. You know, in Jude, it talks about how the archangel Michael wouldn't rebuke Satan, but just said, the Lord rebuke you. And you see other warnings about people who foolishly uh, challenge or insult angelic majesties, referring to demons, of course, in that context. And so, people are co-opting Uh, rituals from the the superstitious world, sometimes from what they've seen on the mission field in Africa, or sometimes what they've seen in Brazil or places like that. And here's the thing. How do we know they work? You know, a lot of times it's spurious second and third-hand stories. But here's what I do know. It's not biblical. It's adding to scripture. Or what's worse, it's reading experience worldly experience into scripture and that is to be avoided at all costs
1: okay so i think at the beginning of the show you did mention that you think that demons can be cast out so um we've kind of gone at length about how there's definitely unbiblical ways that demons get cast out and so i come back to that question can demons be cast out today by somebody who's a born-again christian
0: well we'll get into this detail a little more next week but we're out of time right now but I want to say this. This also kind of connects to your idea, which you asked the question, can a uh, Christian be possessed? These two ideas are linked together. And, but we do know this. Jesus was God, and so he just exercised authority over these demons. He didn't chant. He didn't throw holy water. He didn't do anything. He didn't bless or curse the windowsills in their home like some deliverance ministry people do. And, and Jesus, as God, deputized some of his apostles— to cast out demons too, just like Moses performed miracles, but no, none of us can part the Red Sea. And so it, there's no procedure. There are no props. There is no ritual. And so we have to be very, very careful because what they did then bears little or no resemblance to what some people are doing today and what some people are claiming to do today. Uh. Jesus was God. His disciples were there for such a time as that to demonstrate the veracity of his message through the power that he displayed through them. And there's no chanting. You have that one time where they sort of, they can't cast a demon out, and he talked about them being a faithless generation or their faith being small. And then he later says, you know, this one comes out by much prayer and fasting. What that means is prayer and fasting is not ritual. It's having your heart in the right place. It's wanting what God wants. It's being spiritually prepared to do God's work God's way. That's not ritual. It's not chanting. It's not holy water, crucifixes, relics, nothing like that. Now, we'll talk more about this next time. Well, I think right now we're out of time. That's it for today. So thanks to everyone for joining us. If you'd like additional resources, you can go to our resource page at www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Email me at keith at hillside.org, K-E-I-T-H at hillside.org. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, visit our website, www.hillside.org. We have all kinds of things going on, men's Bible study, women's Bible study, youth group Wednesday nights, young adults, Monday nights, Our services in person are at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sunday. We'd love to have you visit. In the meantime, if you're listening to us on any particular podcast platform, please give us a good rating, share us with your friends, make comments, because this triggers algorithms and it helps us to grow this podcast, to grow this ministry for the glory of God, for the good of others, and yes, our own growth. And also remember this, that we release this podcast every Wednesday, so we hope you'll join us next time. We hope you'll subscribe. In the meantime, this is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler saying, God bless you and God keep you. And thanks for joining us today.